Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookend brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Jared McGinnis. He is the co-founder of The Special Relationship, which was chosen for the British Council's International Literature Showcase. His new book is The Coward, which is published by our friends at Cannon Gate Books. Jared, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you for having me, man. It is an honor to have you here, Jared. And first, um, I'm going to ask you a question about your author bio. Uh, your bio states that you have a PhD in artificial intelligence, but mostly that you inspire the able-bodied by using public transport and taking your daughters to the playground. Uh, my question is, first, what does a PhD in artificial intelligence entail? Like, what was your thesis? And then I'm hoping you can unpack the latter half of that sentence from your bio for us. Sure. So, I mean, I, mean, I can do the second half easier. I'm just being an ass. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it does kind of get to the heart of the book. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of why I've kind of used it. But yeah, so I am, that's, that's, what, that's why I ended up in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, I studied in I studied computers in in Austin, mm -hmm. and I got a job, and I didn't like having a job, so I was like, I'll mm -hmm. I'll go back to university. And so I the, the things that I was studying at UT um, Edinburgh was a really good school for that. And I'm um, actually mm -hmm. the kind of one of the professors, an American, had studied there as well. I said it'd be good for you, mm -hmm. and I just thought it'd be an interesting adventure. So I my thesis was on the mutability of protocols and it was teaching computers how to argue uh, mm. so i did and yeah so i did that for a bit and then uh, yeah i was an academic for a while and a consultant and all the time kind of just learning how to write and um yeah and uh, until very recently i was i was still doing kind of copy editing for um cryptography and, and uh, semantic web uh, companies but um yeah Oh, great. That and, sounds, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and the other bit is just really um, just coming from this idea that like, uh, no matter what I achieve, I'll, you know, I'll be patronized by some random person and, you know, some of that kind of, that kind of uh, vitriol in that, in that line is, is kind of what I used from the book and the same thing. And it's just, it's one of the kind of themes there is that, uh, yeah, that no matter what he does, uh, the character. Mm. Um, yeah, you're going to come up against these people. So, yeah, right on. Well, thank you. That um, PhD sounds amazing, and uh, Edinburgh is great. I really love it there. So, hopefully, you you had fun when you were there. Um, so, this book, uh, this is going to be one of my best books of the year. I want to state that straight out of the gate. Uh, I don't know when. Yeah, thank you for writing it. I don't know when it was published in the UK, but it comes out here in the US. Uh, in April, I believe. And as such, um, it will be one of the best books of 2022 here. Um, but Jared, every morning at Quail Ridge Books, the staff and I talk about what we are reading. And I have been asking uh, for the last several days, who has read a book where the protagonist is in a wheelchair? And for a couple of days, I got crickets. Uh, and then one solid example and two shaky ones were brought up later. Uh, but I couldn't think of one immediately, Jared. And I'm discussing this here because the protagonist of your novel loses the loss of his legs at the very beginning of the book and is in a wheelchair. 
Jared, are there other books that you are aware of uh, where this is the case, where the protagonist is in a wheelchair? This seems like an opportunity for growth in the publishing world. Yeah, you you would think. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean that's kind of why I wrote it is because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this this I would couldn't I kept, I would read there are and they're terrible. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's one that is just an absolute. Yeah, it's really kind of the, my bugbear. Um, mm-hmm. I won't even kind of mention it. It's like welcoming the devil into your room. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, there's lots of bad ones. Um, uh, but and uh, you know, there's um, there's a Tom Robbins. Um, I was, I think it's like something invalids from hot climbs or something like that. I think he's mm-hmm. in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been so long since I read that before I was in a wheelchair. So I didn't, I didn't go back to it to see if I needed mm-hmm. anything. I had all the research I required. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, and what I often found was, um, the books I was reading were just going through the old tropes of, mm-hmm. of kind of trauma porn and using kind of like disability, uh, you know, as a shortcut for, um, you know, some other kind of psychological trauma and like the kind of Bond villain thing. Um, and yeah, and, and it was interesting. So I had some interest very early on about this book and the publishers I was talking to, you could tell they just wanted a book that I wasn't, and they were kind of nudging me towards a much more commercial, a much more kind of genteel book. And, you know, they're the guys with the money. They're the ones on the other side of the desk. So you think, oh, you know, this is what they do for a living. They must be, they must be smarter than me. And it took a while for me to realize, wait a minute, they don't, what? they're telling a guy in a wheelchair how to write a book about a, about a guy in a wheelchair. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And, and it was that kind of response that made the book The Coward was it was just like, no, I'm going to write something that is undeniable and I'm not going to give them what they're looking for. I'm going to write about a disabled character in which Disability isn't isn't his problem because <laughs> that's often what it is, right? Disability and also addiction. One of the other kind of themes of the book. Mm. People don't talk about actually the kind of you know the kind of the boring story is about the kind of descent into the bottom and the recovery. Um, to me, I was much more interested in you know that time when you say I'm I'm you know you you quit and you are still an addict. You're just not active, and that's the hard bit. And to me, that was kind of. Um, I was surprised that that isn't more uh, of interest in, in fiction. Uh, to me, that's the really interesting bit. So, Yeah, great. Well, thank you for resisting uh, the publishers there. I think you made the right decision. Um, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, 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 I bet. Uh, for our listeners who are just now learning about this magnificent book, would you set it up for us? Yeah, sure. Um, it's about a character named Jared McGinnis. It's a novel. Um, who um, he's in a car accident. Uh, a woman has died. Um, the only thing we know is it wasn't his girlfriend, and um, he's now has to come to terms with with his disability. But the immediate problem is he has nowhere to go. And the only place he has to go is to live with his father, who hasn't seen since he ran away from home when he was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and that's the kind of, that's the kind of narrative, you know, rocket launch. And it really is about, you know, finding out what happened in the past between these two men while Jared comes to terms with his disability, but also just, yeah, that past uh, between him and, you know, 
others. He, you know, um, the kind of ir- irony is the best thing that happened to him was he got hit by a truck, you know, hit by a car. Sorry. Yeah. So. yeah um, thank you. And you mentioned that the protagonist's name is Jared McGinnis. Uh, the opening page of your book states that, uh, quote, the distance between fiction and memoir is measured in self delusions End quote. Um, can you explain this, please? Is this book based on your life? So, I mean, that was me kind of setting out my stall to make sure that I wasn't kind of trying to do the James Frey and, and trick people into thinking this is this is memoir. Uh-huh. Um, so that was me kind of really setting out the stall, like, listen, this is a novel. Um, but also the other side of that is I was going to I was going to a very personal place, which actually fiction does all the time. Like, you know, Philip Roth was talking about Philip Roth. He just named the character something else. Tolstoy mm-hmm. was doing it. Ibsen was doing it in his plays. Emile Zola, they had a, you know, in the 19th century, the French had a word for it. It was kind of the Aumont de Cue, a lived mm-hmm. book and a uh, lived novel. And so I was, um, I, I was trying to do that. I was writing fiction, but I was like, well, anytime, no matter what I name this character, I'm going to be associated with him. And I can't deny that his response and his, his experiences are related to mine. Mm-hmm. So I just thought I'd kind of get it out there because, you know, I was going to get the same questions either way, just put it out there and make the reader do the work and make them like, you know, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, that's right. Fiction comes from a lived place. Okay. Yeah, that's right. And then they just settle in. And that was, that was really my purpose in that regard is not to kind of hide behind fiction but also not to fool anyone uh, into thinking this is memoir. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Is your dad's name Jack? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad yeah. you brought up James Frey because, um, you know, if he had just put fiction on the spine of his book instead of memoir, like he would never have had as many troubles as he did. Um, mm, but he would never have been published. That's what happened, right? Like, he, yeah. um, he got, and there's, there's reasons for that. <laughs> it's not that great of a book. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who read uh, my friend Leonard will, uh, will know what those yeah. issues are. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I want to ask a quote. I want to ask about a quote early on in the novel when Jared is still in the hospital and someone is speaking to him about his newfound uh, physical situation. And that quote is a lot of guys try to pretend this isn't happening. They ignore everybody's good advice, but the quicker you get your head right, the quicker you can get back to normal. End quote. Uh, my questions about this are twofold. One, when people say things like this, uh, do they really expect the person on the receiving end of the advice to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. What have I been thinking? I'll snap out of it right away. And second, what does the phrase back to normal mean in the context of the advice being given uh, that the quicker you get your head right, the quicker you'll be back to normal? Yeah. OK, so, I mean, we can the, the, I'll, I'll do again the, the second one first. Sure. I mean. So there's a there's a repeating f- refrain about mm-hmm. normal in the um, in that in that first chapter because it's it's a this book is about the status quo and I think you can survive any status quo mm-hmm. and it's the change in status quo. So if you're a child from alcohol with alcoholic parents, you don't know that's weird. Mm-hmm. It's when you know they get sober and the, your status quo has changed. That's when the real problems are. Like you don't know how to access this relationship anymore. So that's really kind of me setting out some of the themes there. Whether a reader kind of gets that or just kind of goes with it, it's fine with me. But 
Um, so there's kind of there's a repeated frame, not on you know not on like how poetry you know just mm-hmm. kind of repeats these refrains. So if somebody is kind of attuned to it, they'll pick up. Ah, yeah, and in particularly around um, you know me kind of quoting uh, the film Freaks, mm-hmm. I'm really kind of pointing out you know that that idea of what is normality. And the thing is, is that it is normal to be in a wheelchair. I've been in a wheelchair for 20 years. It absolutely is normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think about it. And so that really is kind of setting up that frame. Like that frame is there. That um, that that character there, particularly, is my Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the in this frame, in the scene as it is, he's just saying this because he's he's got good intentions, and it is kind of like a summary of what you have. And he's saying it from experience. He's seen this over and over again. It's not a big deal, but he's able-bodied. Nobody wants to listen to that. And so that's really like it's and also Jared's mind frame is also from an able-bodied person. He is a disabled body with a able-bodied mindset. And that's the problem for him. And that's what I was kind of doing in that in that chapter. And to kind of come to the first bit of that, yeah, people do say that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sometimes it's well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that particular situation, I would say that that character um, knows what he's talking about. He's, he's mm-hmm. coming from, and then later people come, don't know anything. And then Jared responds, uh, you know, in in a an amusing Jared way. You'll come to you come to hear Jared's voice uh, very quickly, uh, and his behavior. Um, and so yeah, and so that in that regard, I kind of yeah, people say all kinds of stuff, but in that, in, in that particular scene, uh, that's me kind of like setting my stall out. Yeah, I mean, just, that's what kind of I like to do in the first chapter, in this in this one, anyway. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jared. Listeners, we're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Jared McInnes. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Jared McGinnis, author of The Coward, which is published by our friends at Cannon Gate Books. Jared, uh, as you mentioned earlier, much of this book deals with Jared's broken relationship with his father, Jack, and then Jack's efforts to heal their broken relationship, uh, which Jared is closed off to sometimes and open to sometimes to varying degrees. Uh, My question here is about family. Uh, Relationships with family members are different from relationships with other people, friends, colleagues, etc., because you cannot choose your family. As such... At what point do you think it is advised that people let go of conflict with family members in the interest of moving relationships forward? Or do you think sometimes cutting family members off from one's life in a permanent manner is the way? 
man. I mean, yeah, so that I cannot comment on, <laughs> especially <laughs> like if I had the answer, I'd be using it right now, especially in the last few years. You just, mm. you know, you see kind of like older family members like radicalized and just uh, it, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answer. And I'm trying to, and I, I come from a big family, big extended family, mm-hmm. you know, from Missouri, Florida, Texas, North Carolina, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's a well-connected family. We, we talk a lot and it's been, mm-hmm. it's been difficult. Um, and yeah, that, that answer that uh, I couldn't give any general advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know um from a writer's perspective, it really fuels what I write about. Family is such a fascinating dynamic and quite central, especially kind of relationship between men and, you know, kind of that, that kind of that Southern, you know, pride of being able to kind of endure. You know, that and um, I, I, that is kind of fascinating. It's really interesting now because I, I live in Marseille in France and you chat with uh, people from like North African backgrounds and also have these huge extended families. They talk about like, you know, meddlesome aunties. And I'm just like, man, I, I know this life. <laughs> I got tons of aunties, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, you can just see what a kind of universality of that, that dynamic is and why I definitely continue to go back to it in, in my prose. So. All right. Thank you so much, Jared. Um, switching topics for a moment. You write about dreams fairly often in this book. Uh, can you talk about writing about dreams and how you effectively embed them in your story? <laughs> so it kind of, it's kind of an inside joke for me because like, um, I'm of the belief that no dream sequence could be removed without damaging a piece of prose <laughs> so I, I i personally thought it was funny to open up with a very short like how do you make because dream sequences are annoying generally um ten, they tend to be a cheat for in a lot of prose um so it's like how do i do it kind of efficiently and engagingly and not do the kind of like you know wobble wobble weird so it's it comes in that, you know, it really is about kind of, it is about flashbacks about PTSD. So it is kind of in this kind of dream. And I do it in a very kind of light touch and I try not to dwell on it just so the reader knows where we are, that this, this character is suffering and there is the kind of larger thing. So I do kind of hit it pretty hard at the beginning and then pull back to uh, near the end. It's just a sentence, which is also kind of showing his recovery from this trauma. Is, is my idea of that's why that that particular I think that's what you're referring to. It mm-hmm. starts to kind of um, fade from his his present mind, um, and that does come from personal experience of just um, man. When you're in that kind of situation, you want to be asleep and unconscious for as much as possible. And the thing I specifically talk about, kind of redoing your dreams. I was a I was a, a lucid dreamer mm-hmm. for about a year. And it was just, and it was clearly my consciousness like hiding because <laughs> it didn't want to face with what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of used that. I definitely used that. So it was kind of true too. And it was kind of incredible. And I've, I've, I've lost my, my life has been so good. I've kind of lost that superpower, but um, mm-hmm. it is fascinating. I still kind of consciously am aware of myself dreaming. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that definitely came from the trauma of the accident. So Yes. Uh, thank you, Jared. That's fascinating. Um, for our listeners, because we are a podcast um, of a bookstore, can you think of any other books that use dreams super effectively in their narrative structures? 
Is that a question to me or to the viewers? Because I'd like to hear some answers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing that comes to mind for me right now is Ulysses, <laughs> um, mm. where um, there's a sequence where the character is trying to, where Stephen Daedalus is trying to determine um how someone who is blind dreams, um, which isn't exactly what I'm looking for, but that's the thing that's at the top of my head for some reason. Yeah, I can't, I mean, it really, it really, my kind of reaction came to it because, you know, I read a lot of, like, I worked with, like, reading slush piles, working for, like, um, I was reading for Hobart when I first started mm-hmm. writing and kind of reading a lot of the slush piles. And that was such great training for being a writer because mm-hmm. you see, like, what things work and what don't work, what doesn't work. And that's something that really stuck from that time. It's just like dreams are that kind of, like, the, the lazy man's way of writing about weirdness um, mm-hmm. and it just seems such a waste of the form of a short story when you can get as weird as possible you can play with form you can do i mean like you know barthene you know like these are just all fever dreams but he never he never like cheapens it he puts it as this is reality and uh, yeah wells tower like all these these guys who do these kind of amazing uh yeah fantastical stories let's keep it in there so yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you, Jared. Um, there is a scene in Jack's home where some neighborhood kids are throwing a children's toilet uh, at his door. Um, and Jared says, a kid's toilet thrown at your door is one weird omen. My question, Jared, is what does that particular omen portend? Why does Jared think it's a weird omen? <laughs> I mean, it, it works in the scene because it's his bizarreness and, and, and weirdness. And I wanted to leaven the scene of him coming home to his childhood home. Mm-hmm. And so I, to me, that was just immediately working there. But I, I mean, again, like I, I wrote, I started short stories. That's where I started. It's still my first love. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of, for, for me, why I love short stories is they're always, each sentence is doing the job of three things. There's something else going on. And so I love that density. The prose that I love most is when that density is there. And it's also unseen. I, you know, I want to, I wanted to write a book that people could read mm-hmm. once, twice, three times, but to do that, you got to write something that they'll read once. And a lot of times literary fiction forgets that. And so I was very keen on that. So for me, the scene works there, but also, I mean, there's this idea that Jared's come to his childhood home. The mistakes, the traumas that happen in his childhood are coming hard and fast, like a bunch of misbehaving uh, kids, you know, throwing the door at the at the um, at Jack's house. So, I mean, that, that's there, but again, like whether you get into that or not, I, it just, I think it works in the kind of scene um, and that's often the scene I read because I think it really kind of opens up what the story is going to be about from that point. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jared. Um, I want to ask you another writerly question, and you sort of alluded to this when we were speaking about dreams earlier. Uh, there is a lot of retrospect in this novel where Jared will look back upon his teenage years and think, back then I thought this but now I see that what was really happening was this. Um, I have seen memoirs incorporate this technique, but not many novels. Uh, Why did you put these retrospective thoughts into Jared's head and what do they tell us about his character? 
Yeah. So, I mean, so the structure is kind of, it is really kind of Jared looking back at this period in his life while he was looking back at that period of his mm-hmm. life, you know, so there's kind of this layer. And I did read lots of memoir to try to understand, like, why do people read memoir? I, it wasn't a form that I was really particularly interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did read a lot, like, how do I steal techniques? How do I put that kind of, um, into, you know, that kind of a dialogue between former selves uh, that memoir does do. And uh, I think this is why people write them. And I think that's why people read them. And mm-hmm. so I, I ha- again, it was a very, it was, I, I, it was much stronger. And then through the editing process with my amazing editor, um, she really understood to kind of pull that back. And again, just do a very a light brush of that to kind of remember. And that's what it is. It's really Jared interrogating past Jared, who was at a point in his life, the trauma of the accident, who was forced to interrogate his life as a child and what led to that accident. Um, And and so that's 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 what that's doing there, Um, because, yeah, structure was was a real difficult thing. Mm-hmm. to get right you know because you were immediately annoying the reader by jumping between time frames and so you need to cast that spell and let them you know sufficiently so you can do the work that you want to write the book you want to write i don't want to have something simple it always had this structure uh and so i was trying to how to do that effectively and that that was probably the hardest thing to get right and i will never write in word again because you do <laughs> not want to be moving chapters around in word <laughs> yeah yeah that can go on forever um it's painful yeah right on um well i'm gonna take a bit of a left turn here before we um and step away from your book and then we'll jump right back into it but i didn't realize you were in france um do you have any thoughts on um france's president's call with vladimir putin that was in the news yesterday or have you paid attention to that narrative this is kind of the amazing thing of kind of being a serial immigrant because you know i moved to the uk and then we recently moved to france um and it was you're just kind of separated (laughs) and i quite like that separation now it's even more stark because my french is is very you know i've been here a year Mm. We didn't, we hadn't, we actually hadn't been to Marseille before we moved there. So we just kind of picked the place randomly. Mm. And, um, and so there is this great real separation and that's kind of wonderful and horrible at the same time. Mm. Um, because a lot of, I do other like, you know, um, community-based art projects around literature. And I, mm. I taught kids at schools, creative writing, and I, I kind of miss that. But the other side effect is, I'm not doom scrolling because it's a lot of work for me to read French. And yeah, and yeah just, it's a, it's hard not to go down into a very dark hole mm-hmm. when you see world row three starting. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I'm a lover of history as well. And so mm-hmm. you just kind of like the resonances uh, really kind of are troublesome and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, thank you for that. Let's now turn uh, right again and jump back into your mm-hmm. book. So um, we haven't talked about the character of Sarah, um, a fantastic character, a great character. I'm hoping that you can introduce our listeners to Sarah, but also um, I asked you earlier if your father's name was Jack, um, and mm-hmm. I did happen to notice that the um, attribution for your author photo is Sarah McGinnis. Um, can yeah. you tell her... Can you tell our read or our listeners about Sarah? Yeah, and so the the character Sarah 
is a young woman that Jared meets uh, when he's living with Jack. And they, they hit it off. And the big thing, the big thing about disabilities, you find it because when you have that able-bodied mindset is the inability to think anyone will love you. Mm-hmm. And that's really the tragedy there. Um, and that's kind of, that's the thread that's going there. Um, and Sarah just kind of understands Jared better than he does. Um, and the key thing of why I think people have really responded to her is because I have a real hard time just introducing a character for plot. I'm not interested in plot necessarily. It all has to come out of character. And so even kind of minor characters, like I think Fritz will be three dimensional. Um, and Sarah, you know, isn't going to be the manic pixie trope of the, you know, girlfriend with a, you know, a broken boyfriend character that did not interest me at all. Um, I wanted her to have her own weight, her own fascinating story and why, you know, what hers are and those kind of interactions. And again, how Jared figures things out a little slower than she does. And, uh, and again, that's that, you know, that um, dramatic irony of characters that fiction does so well. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's brilliant. Yeah. She, uh, she's getting some of the good lines. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, another relatively minor character who I was sort of fascinated with was Bruce. Um, and uh, Jared in the novel does not like working. Um, there's a job he has in sort of a health food store where he uh, kind of starts drinking beer while he's ringing folks up. And then there's um, an Italian restaurant that he ghosts on uh, earlier in his life. Why does jared respond to bruce why is bruce someone that he does enjoy working for i mean i think i it's it's that's it's real that's a really interesting story because bruce again kind of comes in at a particular time in jared's kind of life and i mean immediately it's that kind of he recognizes another misfit Mm -hmm. and and he comes at the right time so Jared isn't an ass to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the real thing is that Bruce doesn't care about the wheelchair, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't even enter into his calculation. Mm-hmm. And so it's an immediately appeal for him. He doesn't have to defend. He doesn't have to talk about it. And Jared is particularly keen on that at that particular stage. Um, and yeah, and it does, I mean, yeah, so that's, that, that's why the kind of like logistically why, you know, he gets into it, you know, and it shows that Jared is kind of starting to learn how to not run away all the time because mm-hmm. that's really why his misbehavior is there. You know, he he's he's always running away you know, and now he can't. So. Yeah, right. Well, thank you, Jared. Um, well, there's so much more to talk about here, but our time for the podcast is limited. Again, this will be one of my best books of the year. Uh, but I did want to ask you in closing a question about memory. Um, Jack, when recounting moments from their past to Jared, often misremembers things. Uh, and much later in your novel, um, than the passages we have been discussing. There is a quote that reads, over the years, the stories we tell ourselves change. They have to. Who wants to live as a foil or a minor character in their own life's story? End quote. 
Um, can you tell us about the shifting narrative of memory and the resulting self-mythologizing that you were alluding to here? What does the tendency um, to do this say about people in general? And more specifically, what does it say about Jack in this novel, The Coward? So, I mean, it's, it's a central theme. So just mm-hmm. you've, you've nailed it on the head again. It's incredible. So this is, this is a central theme for the story about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. We create mythology. I'm very interested in the stories uh, that we tell ourselves. Like, why is it that we pull out this anecdote? Why does our family tell us this story about you growing up? And that's really what's about. And the mm-hmm. fact that they're so unreliable. <laughs> and so Jared's stories are un- are also unreliable, but he just has the um, he just has the mic, and that's why like we we see you know we explicitly kind of call some out, and there are some things to show that Jared might not be remembering it exactly the way he said right, and there's some interactions with his brother um, Patrick, mm-hmm. uh, and so that that's really what it's about. It's about stories, and so when we flash back to the past. To me, in my head, those are actually Jared rethinking about those moments. So it's mm-hmm. it doesn't like the camera doesn't actually go back to the past. It's it's in Jared. These scenes are happening in Jared's head. It's all the same timeline. It's kind of thinking about back that, and that's exactly it. Is Jack has made a story that he needs to understand what happened to the relationship, and Jared did the same thing. And the you know the tension comes from that mismatch. And that's really where they're working together is to try to get a story that gels and that they can live with. And to me, that is family. That is, that is humanity. That is, that is the pain of being a conscious human being with feelings. Um, and that's, that's why I write about it. It just fascinates me. And it still does. It still does as a, as I, I start to think about book two, it's, it's, um, it's, it's there again. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you, Jared. And thank you for writing this wonderful book. I'm going to be putting a copy of this book into everyone's hands here in Quail Ridge Books and any other bookstore uh, I may be visiting. Listeners, I've been speaking with Jared McGinnis, author of The Coward, which is published by our friends at Canongate Books. Jared, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been brilliant. Once again, I would like to thank Jared McGinnis for joining us. Copies of The Coward can be ordered from www.quailridgebooks.com. Free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this has been Booking.